I'm not Pastor Tim. He just wishes he looked like me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's an awesome privilege to be here. When um, Pastor Tim asked me if I wanted to minister, I said, yes. Don't have to pray about yes. No, I'm just kidding. It was a, it's, it's really an awesome privilege to be here in, in the presence of, of mighty men and women of God. I, as I look around, I see great people, great men, win, women of God that are not perfect. Uh, I'm not perfect. You can ask my wife. Uh, she'll tell you. But one thing we know is that we're people in progress. We're, we're seeking God and we're moving forward. And we believe that he is talking to us and ministering to us and adjusting us. Why? For when he returns, we want to be without spot and without blemish. Tonight, we know a few things, but there are some things that we may have taken out of perspective. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about the knowability of God. I'm not talking about N-O ability. I'm talking about the K-N-O-W ability of God. But sometimes we can look at things and they're out of perspective. I like this show and it's called uh, brain, brain Games. And they show you these photos and this guy's doing a whole bunch of things and moving around. And I think he's doing a certain thing. But then all of a sudden they show you that what you're seeing is an illusion. Or his hands are moving so quick that... You really don't pick up on things. And sometimes in the Word of God, you can be moving so quickly and you think you know certain things, but guess what? Your perspective is off. And sometimes we can look at a photo and, and things aren't uh, focused well. It's kind of like this photo that will come up for you. Uh, this guy. This is the guy that was just up here. His name's Pastor Jordan Vale. How about this next guy right here? That's Pastor John Kanata. Now, look at this guy coming up, the last guy here. Uh, he's had too much caffeine. If you see him, pray for him. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you so much, Robert. That's Robert Braley. He's in the back, and uh, a lot of men and women are back there doing a great thing with the, with the cameras and stuff. And we just want to, come on, let's just thank them for what they do. Thank you so much. Also, I, I've seen sometimes, uh, if, if you were to take your hands, you don't have to do this, but if you were to take your hands and place one in front of the other, if you were to look at the one in front or closest to you, the one that's longest from you or furthest away from you uh, will be out of focus. But then in turn, if you focus on the one that's furthest away from you, the one that's in front will become blurry. And sometimes in life, we look at things that are really close to us, and it causes us not to focus on the knowledge of God concerning our crisis. I don't know about you, but have you ever been there? I know I have. And then there are times where I'm looking at things in the Word of God, and, and I think, whoa, wow, where did that come from? It's that God is revealing something. But we have to be focused on Him in order to have the right perspective. Sometimes we, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament, and sometimes we try to live in the Old Testament, but God wants us to live in the New Testament. And sometimes we try to mix both of them together and uh, that doesn't work. The Bible says to make either the water sweet or bitter. But you can't mix them together. I've just finished a small group. Uh, and Pastor Sean here is our small group leader. And our next session start up in June. I was asking him. And we were studying the book of Galatians. And in Galatians it talks about this. That the law or the Old Testament was our teacher. Bringing us toward Christ. Okay. But a lot of times when our perspective is off, we try to live with Old Testament principles when we should be living by 
New Testament principles. And there's a lot of great things in the Old Testament, but Jesus said this, the prophets and the law are fulfilled in me. So we have to know that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Can I get a good old Pentecostal amen? Amen. And some of you may say, uh, you know, what are you talking about, pastor? This is the question that I want to ask you. Can God be known? Be careful how you answer that. Because we can become overly confident in the promises of God that we forget to be humble in his presence. I'm a man of faith. I love faith. But my faith can never allow me not to bow before a great and awesome God. I'm a person of faith and I believe that we can speak with the same spirit of faith. I believe that. But you know what? It's not my power. It's his power working in me. And I have to keep that, watch this, in the right perspective. Can we know God? Yes. But be careful how you answer the question. In the book of Isaiah chapter 40 verses 13 and 14 it says this, Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or as his counselor has taught him. With whom did he take counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the paths of justice? justice? Who taught his, him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? You may say, Pastor, that's the Old Testament. Okay, I'm glad you said that. Romans 11, 33 to 35, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given him that it should be repaid to him? In other words, God doesn't need anybody. Sometimes I hear people say, God needs worship. Well, if he needs something, he ceases to be God. Perspective. Everyone say perspective. That God needs a family. If God needs something, he ceases to be God. But his highest creation is you and me. I'm created in the image and the likeness of God, but I need to come to him as a son. I need to come with, to him as someone who needs him to supply something. He has supplied many things. The Bible is progressive in Revelation. Creation, disobedience, promise, covenant, restoration, and when Jesus comes again, the ultimate fulfillment of all his promises. This progressive revelation does not mean that God didn't know what he was doing. But we had to learn in a way that we were able to grasp. So God has always, throughout humankind, has been trying and and constantly trying to reveal himself. He does not withhold. The Bible tells us that there is no shadow of turning. It says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. God's characteristic is to give. But God has always wanted to reveal himself to you. And I know a lot of things about God, and I don't, I don't mean that arrogantly, but compared to his infinite wisdom, it's just a speck of sand. Because he is infinite and I am finite. And when I keep that perspective, I will never take him for granted. Ever. My wife is sitting right there. We're about to complete 17 years. She's she's put up with me for 17 years. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Now watch. If I say I know my wife, I do know her. But there's so much to her, and I don't mean that rudely. There is so much to her that if I don't keep discovering her, I'll start to take her for granted. And a lot of us have come to church and we love God, but watch this. We become mechanical in some things. We come to church and we give our offering, we raise our hands, we sing our songs. And the question is, why do we do that? Why? Motive is always important. Motive is always important. Here's another thought about progressive revelation. It would be like this. How would Einstein, Albert Einstein, teach arithmetic to a small child? He would not start out with the equations of the theory of relativity, quantum physics, proton decay, mathematics, or atomic super colliders. He would first start to begin with 2 plus 2 equals 4. That does not mean that Einstein does not know the quantum physics of theory of relativity. He does know all this knowledge, but he has to put it in a way that's palatable to the student. That's how God in his Bible has been progressing to the point of you and I meeting Jesus Christ. Can God be known? Yes. But can God be totally fathomed? No. Everyone go like this. Pastor Tim has us do that every now and then. Come on now. Lolita, you too. I'm so sorry. I forgot to introduce them. This is Lolita and Harold Hemingway. They're missionaries from the Philippines. They're doing an awesome work. And can you just welcome them and say thank you for coming? Thank you so much. How many years have you been in the Philippines now? About 12 years now? Back to our story. This is our brain. That was a little bad channel. No, I'm just kidding. This is our brain. This is the size of your brain. If your brain can figure out God, then you need a new God. Or you need a new perspective on the God that you already serve. Because if you can figure it out, then why do you need God? We need God, but we need to understand Him in the sense of what characteristics He displays. Ain't that right, Pastor Sean? The blessings and the knowledge of God are available, but they are not automatic. Yet the Bible encourages us with the promise that if we seek God faithfully, we will find Him. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and bring you back from your captivity. I don't know about you, but there was a time in my life where I was a captive person. Drugs, alcohol, womanizing, lying, cheating, stealing. And I just met some of you in my office yesterday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> The Bible also says this in Matthew 7, 7 through 11. It says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then being evil or natural, how... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more with your, will your Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask? Asking is a sign of humility. When I ask my wife, honey, can you bring me some water? 
She says, no, no, not CD. <laughs> she, gets, she brings it to me. But I humbly ask if I were to say, get me some water, woman. How do you think that would go over? <laughs> huh? I don't go over well. After 17 years, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> oh, sorry. Someone just put that there. The first thing we need to realize is that God reveals himself in his word. In his word. In Acts 17, 23 to 25, it says this, Then Paul stood in the midst of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For I was passing through concerning the objects of your worship. I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Therefore the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since the Lord and the heavens and the earth do not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands or graven images, as though he needed anything, since he gives to, li- to all life, breath, and all things. Here is this thing. A temple to the unknown God. God was revealing himself to people that were searching for him with the right heart. And they had no covenant with him. And I use this scripture for a reason. Because my first point is that God reveals himself through the word. And I want to tell you a little story about myself. I used to stay with my uncle at his farm or he was a foreman at this ranch. I would stay with him in the summer or two months out of the year, out of the summer. And he was the foreman of this ranch farm. And uh, he would also preach in the small church in Taft, Texas. Any Texans out there? Oh, praise the Lord. God's country. And then it says, and I remember this. I remember these, these fields of grain sorghum and cotton. Remember these cows and this huge windmill. And one Sunday we went to church and he was ministering on water. And I remember the two scriptures, and now looking back, I know what scriptures they were. They were out of John 7 and John 4. One of them, it says this, And out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the other one is, Whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst again. Now watch this. That was Sunday. And that Sunday night, I remember I was kind of, went went, got home and, you know, did some chores that I had to do. And I was kind of thinking about the scripture. Went, finally went to sleep. And how many of you know on a farm you get up really early? So I got up really early with him and my other cousin and, and my, his sister, my other cousin. And, and we were out doing stuff and we had to go to this windmill. And this windmill was huge. I mean, it was like really tall and it was going. There was just gears you have to engage. And they engaged the gears and all of a sudden this water started going. Started coming up and this tank would overflow and then it would shoot down maybe about a hundred yards and the cows would come and they would drink the water and, and then all of a sudden the scriptures came to me, those two scriptures about water. And my uncle left and I saw the water flowing and I was about eight or nine years old. I went over there and I started drinking the water. God was trying to reveal himself to me as a nine-year-old kid because God was confirming, excuse me, was confirming his word. And what you need to do is look at the word as God speaking to you himself. He wants to reveal himself to you because his characteristic is that he loves and he cares for his children. 
And you need to have the right perspective that God is not upstairs or up in heaven with a lightning bolt just waiting for you to make a mistake. He doesn't do that. He corrects those that he loves. And sometimes I feel like he loves me more some days than others. But God reveals himself in his word. In John, the second thing that God does is he reveals himself through Jesus Christ himself. Not only in knowing now what we know of the revelation or the illumination that Jesus Christ is the word, and we know that, but in his scripture is the characteristics. It's, I used to gleam a lot from Oral Roberts, and he said, other than my salvation, he took the Bible and he goes, this is as close as I'll ever get to God until I get to heaven. And he went on to describe that his relationship with Jesus Christ illuminates the presence of God in our soul and in our spirit. Here's a scripture, John 14, 8 through 10. It says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? Have you ever got somebody, somebody just got on your nerves and said, man, don't you get this? And he goes on to say, he who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. I ask you this question. Does Jesus Christ dwell in you? No, 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 no. See, you need, you need to be confident with that. Does Jesus Christ dwell in you? Does the Holy Spirit dwell in you? Then he wants to do some great works in your life. He wants to bless you more than you even can imagine, the Bible says, that you can think or speak. But if your perspective is skewed, skewed, you'll be more focused on your inadequacy. You'll be more conscious of your sin. You'll be more conscious of your, your, your disproportion in comparison to him. But when you know that Jesus Christ makes all things good, you can have some confidence in his promises. But you always got to remember to be humble in his power. You can have rejoicing in your position in Christ Jesus, but you always have to bow in his presence. There has to be a balance here. You just can't, oh, anything goes. Where's that in the Bible? Here's another scripture. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 4. God, who in various times spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by who? Whom he has appointed heir over all things, through whom all also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and in the express image of his person, and upholding, watch this, upholding all things by the word of his power. When he by himself purged our sins, sat at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. The word of God is Jesus Christ. Amen. And you understand that you have to have a relationship with him. But you can't have one outside of his word. You can be saved. There's a difference in being a convert 
and being a disciple. Being a convert is believing in Jesus Christ. That's good. You'll get you to heaven, but you can come to church and all hell still be breaking loose in your life. You can be converted, but you need to be discipled. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have growth track. That's why we have C20, the next generation, and all these children's things and missions. And we do things. Why? We want to get the Word of God into you. Why? Because without the Word, you can't have a proper perspective on who God is. Somebody just smile. I'm preaching myself happy. I'm going to share something with you that I've never even shared with my wife. This portion... I went to a six and a half, it's an eight week, eight, eight, six to eight weeks. They say I was like maybe seven weeks in this alcohol rehab when I was in the United States Navy. Because uh, I woke up one time in a park uh, with in, in, in uh, Yokosuka, Japan, uh, with my shirt unbuttoned, uh, no shoes on, uh, with my ID somewhere on my body, I won't say what, uh, so I decided to go to this rehab thing. And I already had the word in me. I was a convert but not discipled. I would go to church on Sunday and be drunk by Monday night. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. And then when we'd go to this, they'd talk about your past and this and that. Did mama beat you and this and that. But there was this time toward the end uh, that you have to wear your, your dress blues. We call our Cracker Jacks. And you've seen them, you know, on the Cracker Jack. But you got your dress blues on, your neckerchief, your white hat and stuff. You salute and this and that and the other. And, and we were done mustering what means taking roll call. And then we'd go back to our barracks. And it was kind of cloudy and it was cold. And I, in, in the Navy, they never allow you to be in your bunk with your uniform on in any military. But because it was closer to graduation, you know, they kind of lacked. So I got... In, in my bunk, I took off my, my, my jumper, had my t-shirt on and had my shoes on. I was like, it was kind of cloudy and I just started remembering all the things that the Lord did in my life. The word that they spoke to me. And then this is what I said. This is what I said in my thinking. I said, Jesus, if you're real, show me. And not more than two seconds later, the, the clouds parted and the sun came out. I started to cry. Now, I wanted to tell somebody, but watch. About two minutes later, this other guy walked in and he started saying, man, we were in this group and I said, God, if you're real. Uh, So God was telling him the same thing he was telling me. So not only was God messing with me, he was also messing with that other drunk sailor. The word of God is the son of God. And he wants to reveal himself to you in a way that your perspective has never shown. Sometimes we have so much tradition and religion and customs and and just things that we've been indoctrinated with. And the Bible says, it's the traditions of men that have made the simplicity of the gospel to no avail. Listen, it's it's the traditions of men. And there's a lot of Christian traditions. That have made the simplicity simple, easy. Not Einstein theory, but simple, easy. That have made the easiness and and the freedom that God wants to give you to no avail. It doesn't work. Here's the third one. God reveals himself through the indwelling and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I was raised Catholic. This uncle that I was talking to you about was Church of Christ. And then, many years later, friends down the street were Assembly of God. And then after Assembly of God, I became a Pentecostal. Hallelujah. Okay, so I've had a pretty good gamut of different traditions and stuff. I've seen some abuses of control because of the power in the name of God, of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible promises not only that the Holy Spirit lives in us, but He will flow out of us. So you cannot deny that it's in the Bible. People say this, well, in the New Testament it says, when He that comes is perfect, it will be done away with. Well, Paul said that after Jesus was resurrected and ascended. So was Paul confused when he said that I pray in the Spirit more than all of you? He wasn't confused. But people shy away from it. Why? Because there has been abuses. But because it's in the Bible, I want what God has for me. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I have a built-in tan too. Praise the Lord. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Watch. And so are you. And because of that, there are certain gifts that the Bible promises us. But again, you can't be afraid. And you can't use an excuse. Well, I've never learned it before. Ignorance is not an excuse. Oh, that went over like a lead balloon. I believe in the power of, a, of speaking in tongues. A heavenly language. I believe that God can give a word of knowledge to someone and transform their life. I believe that we can lay hands on the sick and they recover. I believe that God can give a word of wisdom and a marriage be changed in an instant. I also believe that God can warn somebody and say, get your life right. The Bible says that, that tomorrow is guaranteed to no man. So you have to believe that the Holy Spirit lives in you. The power of God. I just wrote down some things here about the power of God. It says this. It says that heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. It says, Moses said, when the, when the law was delivered to me, it was delivered to me by two tones of tablet, tablets of stone. And the Lord had written with his finger. It says in there that there's not one sparrow that falls from the, from the sky that God does not know about. He caused it to rain for 40 days and 40 nights, but he also caused a drought for three and a half years. He was in a burning bush. He caused manna and quail to fall from the sky. It talks about the blind eyes to see the lame to walk. He fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. And the same God, the same spirit that, that raised Jesus from the dead, watch this, dwells in you. Listen, that's powerful stuff. There have been some things done that have caused people to back away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, there's people out there parading and half naked. Why would I shy away from the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, I better behave now. Okay. So God, first of all, reveals himself through his word. Secondly, God reveals himself distinctively in the person of Jesus Christ. And God also reveals himself through the indwelling and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
This is what the Bible says. It says in John 14, 16, 18, it says, And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everyone say helper. helper. That he may abide with you when? Forever. The spirit of what? The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, and he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. You want Jesus to, and the Holy Spirit to talk to you? You want God to lead you? He can't do it without you reading his word. We're looking for something to fall from the sky when it's already in our lap. If the Holy Spirit is in me, I have Jesus in me and his word in front of me. All I have to do is just read it and say, Lord, speak to me. And the Holy Spirit will go. I'm reading a book right now called Fresh Air. Pastor Chris Hodges. If you have an opportunity to read that book, it'll... Mm, it'll make you feel good. <laughs> Pastor John Canada was singing this song about the Holy Spirit. And I want, uh, come on up, Pastor. I'm going to turn it over to him and we're going to sing that song again. But knowing now that we have him, he's with us and in us and he dwells upon us. Remember this, that if we know his word, his son and his spirit, we will always get to know him. We are confident in his promises, but are humbled by his power. We rejoice in our position, but we bow in his presence. May the Lord be with you and let this song minister to you.
my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Just let him take that shame away from you in your presence, Lord. One last time, say, though I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Right here in your presence, Lord. One last time, say holy, holy spirit, you are I pray that it would just deep uh, sink deep, excuse me, into the hearts of every person. I thank you that every person walks away from here tonight experiencing your love and experiencing their shame being undone. We give you all the glory and praise. Holy Spirit, minister even as they're on their way home in their cars. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. If you agree with me, say amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you so much. See you Sunday.